Let's listen to this man. He got some good news for you. Hey, everybody. Gather near. The doctor's in the house. So lend him your ear. The things he can say might even make your day. He might even help your pain go away. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. Hello, hello and hello. The doctor is in the house. This is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Good day, everybody. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. And I do welcome you with an attitude of gratitude. And I want to thank uh, Feedspot for listing us in the uh, top 50 doctor podcasts on the internet. And we got a notice of this last week and uh, we're very proud of that. So thank you very much. And uh, we do try and make happiness and gratitude our lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, just a quick update today on uh, what's going on with the uh, COVID and the mass and the experimental shots. Just some information so that you can be the CEO of your own body. So you can <clears throat> you know, ask questions and get answers uh, before you have anything uh, done to it. And you can use your logic and imagination to get to the bottom of it all. Because it's what, 24-7, uh, we are bombarded uh, with information on the shot. And I want to thank you, everybody, for the good inf good feedback on our show on electromagnetic fields. Uh, you know, like I said uh, on the show, they are with us 24-7. They can't be avoided like secondhand smoke can. So please be conscious of that, and uh, please be conscious of your Wi-Fi printers. Uh Really important for our own health, for what's coming on in the future. <clears throat> so those of you know, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram anymore, and uh, but I am on Telegram. Uh, Dr. Ron uh, is my name on Telegram, which is a, a good uh, non-censored uh, vehicle. I'm also on uh, 
Cloud Hub, Coldcast, ME. So, um, you know, if you want to see what's going on, there's some places you can find out. And I want to thank uh, Dr. T for monitoring our show. So let's just start out by, by uh, telling you something you're not going to hear. And if you do hear it on the mainstream media, it's going to be tilted and slanted. <clears throat> LifeSite News reports that the CDC finds masks, indoor dining bans, do not stop the virus. But the, it does seem like the media is ignoring this. So from March 26, 2021, masks and bans on indoor dining do little to stop the spread of COVID-19. And this comes from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Infection. You would think that would make big headlines. According to the CDC report, which was published March 12th, and you can find it in the agency's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. While mask mandates and indoor restaurant bans did decrease daily cases of COVID-19 and deaths, the results were a correlation and a very tiny one at that. Remember, we told you about that big study from Denmark, 3,000 people. No difference between the mask wearers and the non-mask wearers. Mask mandates reduced case growth between 0 and 1.8% and COVID deaths rates by 0.7 to 1.9% with an increase in deaths 21 to 40 days after the mandate went into effect. Indoor dining bans decreased case growth by 0.1 to 0.4% with an increase in cases in four, uh, four time periods the bans were implemented. Restaurant bans were associated with a slight growth in COVID mortality. But you haven't seen this. That it's very, very little difference between mask wearing and non-mask wearing and indoor dining versus outdoor dining. So that's why you see states like where I live in Florida and other states just opening up because the effect of mass had little or nothing to do with COVID-19. The CDC's finding on masks, they're completely in line with the Danish study that was published in November and a study uh, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, which was a study involving quarantining of marine recruits. Both studies found limited evidence that mask wearing was effective in stopping the spread of this virus, this Chinese virus. Now, on September 11th, the CDC, now this is the CDC that everybody is bowing to, a private company, reported in a group of 314 with and without COVID-19, there was no significant difference in the vigilant mask use. On March 8th, the CDC stated fully vaccinated people do not have to wear masks while mingling with vaccinated people or unvaccinated individuals for a single household who are at low risk for severe disease. Masks do little to protect people from disease, said Patrick Wood of the Citizens for Free Speech. 
and more and more people are coming out. The mask guidance for vaccinated individuals is curious, says Marilyn Singleton, MD, and a JD. She's an attorney and an MD. Former president of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, who has written widely on masks, quote, the vaccine guidance says that vaccinated, instead of me reading all this, it's just basically there's no difference. And, there, you know, you would think in Florida, which has an older population in California, uh, would have more deaths. Well, actually, our free non-mask wear, wearing state is, is way behind deaths from Cal- even California. So you see what's happening here. We're getting the wrong information. I want to find an article that was written by uh, Mr. Horowitz. Uh, He says in his article, masks are experimental medical devices that must be optional according to law. So even the shots that that are getting emergency use authorization, EUA, they're experimental. They're getting the authorization to be used as an experiment. Normally, vaccines take uh, up to 10 years to, to, to uh, be allowed in use if they go through all the processes. So these uh, so-called vaccines, which are not vaccines, they're gene experiments, uh, bypass all the animal studies. Now, he, Mr. Harwood is just talking about masks here, and he says, just like the COVID vaccines, use a mask instead of rep- respirators to block transmission. Now, respirators are what you see. Uh, hazmat people wear, people that paint cars, are, they're really heavy duty. Uh, they, they, they actually work. As such, according to the law, masks must be optional if we are going to passively allow governors and governments to make this medical device mandatory, what is to stop them from making this vaccine, which really isn't a vaccine mandatory? Both the FDA and OSHA have made it clear over the years that only respirators, not masks, are considered valid PPE. Personal protection, right? To block the transmission of respiratory viruses which is why mask manufacturers, get this, must continue to place a disclaimer on their labels that the product does not work for airborne viruses. So so the CDC, according to Horowitz, is lying to the public and giving them a false sense of security by suggesting masks are valid medical devices for COVID. That is why the FDA was forced to use emergency use authorization, the same process used for vaccines to approve mass as medical devices, because they, they, they have not been shown to do that. They're experimental. In the statement where masks were allowed to be used as an, as an emergency, the FDA discloses, quote, a face mask is a device with or without a face shield that covers the user's Um, nose and mouth that may or may not meet fluid barrier or filtration efficiency levels. That means it may or may not work. They don't even know. But we do know from studies. We have objective studies, the CDC's own studies, the Danish study. All this is to say is that with no evidence mass work and with it with endless evidence that they failed to stop the spread in a single part of the world for 12 months 
This is why masks, according to law, must remain optional. <clears throat> and we can go on and on. And, and if you have any problem, if you're getting dizzy uh, or you're experiencing shortness of breath from, from use of masks where you're forced to use them, there's a process uh, where you can uh, uh, write to the uh, FDA and file a claim on their MedWart system, an adverse reaction report, FDA's MedWatch, MedWatch system. Okay, the, the, it's an easy one to fill out. So, you know, we are not guinea pigs, ladies and gentlemen. We have rights. We should be able to say no to medical devices being used against our bodies, especially if they are experimental. We, I thought we got rid of this during the Nuremberg trials, where the Nazis did all those experiments on people. So is the COVID shot, the vaccine, extre extremely safe or effective, as, as you hear 24-7? <clears throat> Well, there are some people that are saying uh, it's not as safe as it's made out to be. You're hearing adverse reactions all the time. Yesterday, a 68-year-old woman died uh, two days after she got her second shot. You hear about people dying all the time. I think there's up to 2,000 deaths, more or less, from the, getting the, the shot. And, of course, that's, only, uh, that's a small percentage of the ones that are reported. And, of course, none of them are being related to the shot. Prior to the vaccines coming out, a person could be shot in the head, test positive for COVID, it was a COVID test. Now a person can get a, a vaccine and die, and it was just, just a coincidence. So we're never gonna get to the truth the way the FDA and the CDC and the government is handling these statistics. And like I told you, the FDA uh, is, is being sued right now for overinflating COVID deaths by over 1,600%. So the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, we've talked about that, VAERS. Uh, as of the beginning of, of this month, March, showed 1,739 deaths and 734 permanent disabilities and nearly 4,000 hospitalizations. Does that seem like a lot to you? Given the fact that 80 to 90 million people have already gotten at least one dose. <clears throat> it's not doesn't seem like a lot, but you have to remember if you do the math, there's, this is about 1% of the people that are being reported. So it's important to know that VAERS has been estimated to capture approximately 1% of vaccine injuries. And it, it is believed that the majority of vaccine injuries are never reported. I'm not, I don't have in front of me right now, but the vaccine injury court has paid out billions of dollars. Why would they pay out this money if there's been no injuries from vaccines? So 
So we should have freedom of choice at this point in time because we don't know the real statistics. I have a problem if they try and make this vaccine mandatory. It should be individually, you should have your own mandate whether you want to get it or not. Whether you can eat in a certain restaurant, travel, go to school. Well, there are a lot of studies now coming out, a lot of professors and scientists and vaccinologists and virologists coming out about possible problems with, with these shots. You know, if you've had COVID, they say the immunity you get from that could last for years or even decades. That's something. And then and they still want people with that have had documented COVID to get this shot. Because there's studies out there that show that people who have had COVID have robust levels of B cells and T cells. B from the bone, T from the thymus, right? That's how you get those B and T letters. And they're quite necessary for fighting off this COVID virus. And they persist in the body for a very, very long time after you've had the, uh, the COVID-19. Well, let me just talk to you about a couple more things. Uh, Peter Dushi, uh, D-O-S-H-I, he's, he's, he's just a great guy. He's the associate editor of the British Medical Journal, a well-renowned and respected journal. He wrote a piece in the journal issuing a word of caution about the supposed 90, 95% effectiveness of these vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna. He doesn't think the numbers really worked out that, that well. And they're talking now about how this vaccine shot or this gene therapy shot can make people who get it more sensitive to a more severe disease. And not to go into all the chemistry of it, but, you know, viruses uh, mutate all the time. That's right. The flu, flu shot changes every year. And sometimes they get it right, sometimes they don't because the virus changes so quickly. So, you know, when you get these shots, you could still get COVID and you could still transmit COVID. You just hopefully won't get as seriously ill. So this virus shot may make the COVID more likely to mutate. Okay, because it's, it doesn't kill the, kill the COVID. So the COVID is still can get into your DNA and through the, the mRNA and then mutate. And then you could be transmitting a mutation that is worse than the COVID itself. But another research article in Microbiology and Infectious Disease, where Dr. Klassen expressed concerns about this. He wrote that RNA-based COVID vaccines have the potential to cause more disease than the epidemic. But I should get, get uh, our government, government's attention, don't you think? And he's, he's been publishing for decades. He's a well-known physician. 
And he said, you know, he's been looking at the long-term effects of, 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 of injections and maybe how they can be associated with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. But it takes years down the road to know that. It takes a, 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 a real study. So he's warning that these RNA-based vaccines could create a new potential mechanism of vaccine adverse effects that may take years to come to light. So, you know, people are stepping up and, and, and talking about, about it. I just found my note here about the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. It protects the vaccine manufacturers from any liability. And who pays for that? The taxpayers. This Vaccine Injury Compensation Program has paid out more than $4 billion, that's with a B, dollars due to vaccine injuries. Since 2015, the program has paid out an average of $216 million to an average of uh, 1,615 claimants. And it's really hard to win a case there. They make it very difficult. So if the fact that, that cases are getting reported to this system, maybe even only 1%, do you think it's an early warning sign for potential risk from this, this shot? I mean, everybody's touting these shots, right? Every health agency in the world. Gosh, in Israel, they're even giving vaccine passports for a disease that is 99.97%. You, you'll get over it if you're under 70. Kids don't, don't die from this at all. And, and physicians that say that, there's a pediatrician, I forget his name, he came out and said that he's been demonized. He said, kids should be back in school. These shots skipped important clinical trials. There was no comprehensive safety studies. So what does the VAERS, this, this vaccine reporting system, what, what, is, what do they have to suggest? What do they, does the data suggest so far? It suggests that the death toll is somewhere around 0.003% of those vaccinated. Uh, but that number is likely much smaller. First, it's important to know that this uh, vaccine reporting system is a passive monitoring system, meaning, what's that mean? Doctors are not required to report adverse effects. Several studies have suggested as few as 5% of adverse reactions are reported. I've seen studies that, sh that show that only 1%. So say it's 5%. So using 5% and you extrapolate that to the current data, the true number of deaths from COVID may be as high as 32,000 or more, or somewhere around 0.05%. And the data now is telling us that globally, the death rate is only 0.03%. If we have a global 
death rate of 0.03% and the vaccine is killing 0.05%. There's more people dying from the vaccine. So the numbers, we need transparency. I've I've said that from the beginning. We need accurate numbers to know the true mortality rate. In a lot of uh, opinions by professionals, there's been a lot of false reporting in the United States. And that the true number of deaths from COVID in the United States is only 6% of that 500,000. The other 94% were accompanied by comorbidities such as late stage cancer, immune diseases, and injuries. Just like that fellow that died here in uh, Florida of a motorcycle accident. He was labeled COVID death. So maybe that if you take, if you just use that 6% rate, the total death of COVID-19 in the United States is 0.03%, just like the rest of the world. And if you take that 0.05% vaccine death, it looks as though the new vaccines are 67% more likely to kill you than the virus itself. That scares the heck out of me. And why are we giving it to pregnant women? And they're having adverse reactions. 56 uh, of the 265 pregnant women who had reported uh, adverse effects had uh, miscarriages or premature births. And this, these, these shots have not been tested for safety in pregnant women, yet they're recommending that they get it. Emergency use authorization for experimental shots. How about Dr. Norsham? He's an accomplished surgeon and patient safety advocate. He's now written his second letter to the FDA, urging the agency to require pre-screening for COVID viral proteins in order to reduce COVID vaccination injuries and deaths. Because if you have recently had COVID and you get the shot, you're more likely to have an adverse reaction especially if you're elderly or frail or have cardiovascular problems. So um, doctors are taking this and, and, and dying because you know it's been predicted by Dr. Judy Mikovits that the our immune system will, it's, in some people will attack the body in many ways that cause this multi-organ system failure, affecting your heart, your GI tract. And there's lots of reports of this. And, and autopsies are being done, but they're, they're not coming to any conclusion because the experts say that the, the person doing the autopsy doesn't know what to look for or that it's an incomplete autopsy. So no one is acknowledging at this point in time, except a few brave individuals, that there is a risk from these untested shots.
Now, one more thing. Uh, let's see if I have his uh, report here. Um, in an open letter, a PhD vaccinologist, Dr. Bosch, He's a former global director of the vaccine program. He worked for Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he has called for a mass vaccination campaign against COVID-19. He, he has had called for this campaign to end. He's reached out to the World Health Organization and other international health organizations to warn of the potentially detrimental consequences of further viral immune escape triggered by this vaccination campaign. He calls it, quote, the single most important public health emergency of international concern, unquote. This widespread vaccination campaign may efficiently turn what was relatively harmless virus into a bioweapon of mass destruction, according to him. There's some people that have uh, not agree with him, but when I read them, it was more than disagreeing with him because they think he has an, an ulterior motive. They did not disagree with him on the science. And it, his opinions are all based on the fact that COVID-19 has a high capacity for mutation. So when this virus enters somebody with that, that had the vaccine, it wants to survive. It only can survive in cells. So it mutates itself and might be a more infectious COVID after it mutates. And then the, the vaccinated person can transmit this. Okay, so, you know, you can think of this as an antibiotic resistance. Maybe we all can, can associate that. You know, if you, we know that antibiotics have been abused. And when you abuse an antibiotic and take it, when you do not have a bacterial infection, you cause the bacteria to change, and then you get all these mutations. And that's how MRSA evolved. So this uh, this is similar, similar circumstance. So you might look up Dr. Bosch. He's a vaccine insider, ladies and gentlemen. And you can look up the latest on Fauci, where it's been found out that he has been cooperating with China right from the beginning. And they told him what to say early on, and he agreed to it. And there was an interesting piece reported. If you must, please don't voluntarily get a, a PCR test if you're not sick. But for some reason, if you're forced into it, the worst time of the day to get it is around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and more likely to be positive. But not, not because you're sick, it's just the way that... Uh, your body's reacting. And as we're getting to this beautiful time of year with the sun being out, please don't avoid the sun. It's the best way to get vitamin D. 
Don't use a lot of sunscreen that has oxybenzone in it because it's, it's an endocrine disruptor. It's a cancer-causing, uh, and it gets into your system. It threatens the environment. It damages the coral reefs. Okay. We'll have more to say on, on the sunscreen. And, you know, it is related if you overdo it to skin cancer, but you know what? That could be excised in my opinion but it can protect you against a lot of other cancers and pneumonia. You know, non-smokers, just, just, just take, just think of this. Non-smokers who avoided sun exposure had a life expectancy similar to smokers in the highest sun exposure group. Now, what does that indicate? It indicates that avoidance of sun exposure is a risk factor for death, right? Similar to smoking. So um, don't demonize the sun and don't splash uh, all that sunscreen over you. And the EWG, Environmental Working Group, has said this for years. And what brought this to my attention is on Monday, the Journal of the American Medical Association called, Association called JAMA, they found and published an article about several active ingredients in different sunscreens that enter the bloodstream of the, you know, you lather this stuff on you, it gets into your bloodstream at levels that far exceed the FDA's recommended threshold. Wow. Who's looking into that? Don't, we, don't you think the FDA would want to study that to see how clinically significant that is, that these chemicals shoot up in your bloodstream? Well, remember your largest organ is your skin and what goes on your skin gets into your skin and it doesn't take long. In fact, there's a study that, that says that these chemicals seep into your bloodstream in just 24 hours. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to do a quick podcast today along with Dr. T, our producer up there in Pennsylvania, uh, give you some uh, idea what's happening. And we'll see you Tuesday. If everything goes right, we'll talk about phone gate. That'll be a continuation of our talk on electromagnetic fields. And in the meantime, have a great rest of the weekend and enjoy yourself. Treat yourself good. Have an attitude of gratitude. And uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Ciao. Hey, everybody. Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. If it's all about good health, he's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. Or when the doctor is in the house. And let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Doctor is in the house. 
Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. When the doctor is in the house. So if you have a pain, call the doctor. If you have a strain, call the doctor. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. When the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. See you next week. <laughs>